what is cheating at uni? I think the involvement of somebody else in your work would be the definition of cheating. Copying other people's work, using stuff off the internet that's not yours, getting other people to suit your exams, and yeah, writing on your hands and stuff. I think cheating is just when you're not doing your own work. Um, so that's either copying off someone else, maybe paying someone to do work that's not your own and then submitting it as yourself. So basically like plagiarism or something like that. So have you ever cheated at university? No. Never? Never. <laughs> I've had people send me assignments from like last semester, which I've pretty much done. It's so easy. <laughs> so would you say that you have cheated at university then? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as bad as it sounds, yeah. Welcome to Think Business Futures. On the show, we'll take cutting-edge research, couple it with real-world examples, and explore what's actually happening in the business finance marketing world. My name's David Brown. I'm a professor at the Business School at UTS. And I'm Nicole Sutton, lecturer at UTS Business School. And on this episode, we're talking about cheating. And in particular, we're playing a board game designed by our guest on the episode, Dr. Amanda White, and she's a senior lecturer in accounting at UTS Business School. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, everybody. It's good to be here. Excited to talk about academic integrity. Who can find out if you've been found guilty of academic misconduct? A, anyone. If you've been excluded or suspended from UTS because of misconduct, it states this on your transcript. B, employers or professional associations who make inquiries to the university. C, academic staff upon request. D, the Department of Immigration. Or E, all of the above. Oh, (laughs) wow. I'm going with all All of of the the above. above. Yeah, and this is certainly something that surprises a lot of students. There are certain circumstances in which we do put academic misconduct information on transcripts, especially if you've been excluded. The Law Society often contacts universities because they have a specific entry requirement that says if you've been found guilty of academic misconduct, you have to declare it on your application to join the Law Society or to join the bar because then you're potentially not a fit and proper person. Um, So those professional associations and employers can inquire. Um, Academic staff, if we're suspecting uh, misconduct, But in some circumstances where you've been removed from the university because of misconduct, we actually need to contact the Department of Immigration for some students on visas Mm. because they're no longer enrolled and then they are no longer eligible for their student visa. So there's a lot of consequences to understanding uh, what happens when you have misconduct. And I think one of the key issues is that students don't understand the rules. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't understand the landscape of what's happening. So this game is a way for us to try and level the playing field and make sure everybody's on the same page so that they don't make mistakes. And a lot of times, in my experience, a lot of students are making unintentional mistakes um, and they've been socialised to think that something is acceptable when, in fact, within our university system it's not. So we developed the game with some students from the Bachelor of Creative Intelligence and Innovation to really help us engage students in a way that was not a serious video telling you do the right thing. So there's plenty of videos out there of perky students or senior executives saying study with integrity and that just doesn't work. The research shows us that shock advertising for students, especially millennials, doesn't tend to work. They can see shocking stuff on YouTube and Mm. on Instagram all the time. So we needed to do something physical and because 
academic integrity and academic misconduct. Misconduct is a social activity. You typically engage with someone else to have this happen. And so we wanted to do something in a social setting where they're looking at other people and they're looking at body language and shock and surprise to make them understand about academic integrity. So that was a question in the board game. So yes. now we've now done that question. We all answered correctly. Now so what we, happens? We get to move forward. Okay. And we will move. Which colour token do we want to be? I want to be green. So in the actual practice of the game, what would happen is every pair of students that's playing the game would answer one question mm-hmm. to hopefully move forward to the next part. And then the next section we face, we give students a scenario. Okay. And we necessarily, we didn't necessarily want students to make choices about scenarios because we didn't want to take the risk that students might make a choice that we would consider misconduct mm-hmm. and then feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. So we actually use a little spinning wheel. Scenario. A friend asks to look at your assignment for ideas in a subject you've already completed. What do you do? What do we think? So we ask students at this point to discuss what they would do. Okay. And this is a common form of misconduct where a friend will say, hey. Here, I've done it before. Why don't you just look at mine for inspiration? You can see the sorts of references I've looked at. This will give you an idea. Mm -hmm. Treat it as an exemplar. Yes, which is what we would hope students would do. Yeah. Nick, you get to spin the wheel now. Okay, so on this wheel there's like thumbs down and... Little graduation caps. Graduation caps, okay. And it's a thumbs down. Thumbs down. So, David, turn the card over and you'll see a little thumbs down option. You can read that out. Thumbs down. You give them a copy of your assignment. Two weeks later, you receive a letter charging you with academic misconduct. Your friend took your assignment and submitted it as their own. You are given zero and your grade is changed retrospectively. Oh, so I didn't realise that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. When it's not just the person who copied it, yeah. it's the person that gives it to them yeah, yeah. that unwittingly aids that person yeah. in misconduct. So it's really a complicated question because yeah. university is also about fitting in, it's about belonging, it's yeah. having friends. And so this would be something you think, oh, I'd, I'd give my friend an assignment to look at. Yeah. Um, but there are risks associated yep. with that. Oh, Dave, do you want to do one? Can we do that? Yes, Dave yes. can do. We can pick another. Nicole, do you want to pick another one scenario? of the scenario yep. cards? Okay. So we don't move. We don't. We stay we where we are. We could move. We could move okay. everybody around. But we we'll ready? Another scenario. <clears throat> okay, Dave. Here's a scenario for you. A friend who completed a subject a semester before you offers you the exam, the questions and answers for the final exam. What do you do? Mm. What would you do, Dave? Well, given my ethical framework, I would say thanks, but no thanks. But I'll try not to judge them. (laughs) (laughs) And this is certainly a common experience. Yeah, Here's Um, the exam. We received via email a copy of last semester's exam from an anonymous Gmail account um, in one particular accounting subject attached with tutor with solutions written by a study tutorial assistance company okay and students said oh this is doing the rounds um it turns out that somebody had worn sort of like a little buttonhole cam Hmm. when they'd come to look at their exam paper um and taken a whole lot of photos of the exam paper sold it to somebody who then went ahead and wrote a solution guide to that exam but nick 
Okay, so Dave would spin oh, Dave the, wheel. In the wheel. So spin yep. the wheel. So we now know, like, hypothetically what you would do, but let's, your avatar, what would they do? Oh, oh the graduation cap. They have a graduation cap. So the graduation answer is refuse the materials and follow your coordinator's guidance on how to prepare for the final exam. Ah, so I see this kind of little wheel here allows us to actually explore what's kind of the kind of correct behaviour, but also what is the thumbs down behaviour without yeah. the students having to necessarily. We didn't want to have them make that choice and then feel uncomfortable yeah. or embarrassed in front of their peers. So we use the wheel to force them down that particular road. Now, there are certainly instances of academic misconduct where engaging in that misconduct will have you kicked out of university, um, but that doesn't make for a very fun game. I guess with university, it's a lot like terms and conditions when you buy an app or you update your operating system on your phone. Most people just click agree and students, when they enrol at university, agree to understand all of our rules and regulations but they don't realise that's what they're clicking. So I think it's an important part of what we do as academics to help students transition from wherever they are before university mm. to this new academic structure. And we would think that our ideas of what's appropriate and inappropriate would be the same everywhere, but socialisation and different cultures and different backgrounds, and even from different parts of Sydney, um, will show you that it's actually quite different what people believe is appropriate and then what our rules say is appropriate. Now, today we're talking about cheating and as you said, we're going to look specifically in the context of student cheating and misconduct. But before we do, can you help us set the scene, I guess, a little bit more broadly? And if we step back and think in really general terms, what do we actually mean by cheating? So I guess when we talk about the idea of cheating, and there's lots of discussion within academia about do we use the word cheating, do we use the word misconduct, but this is a concept that's not new. So the idea of cheating or misconduct is that we're gaining advantage through some form of deception, and that could be passing off someone else's work as your own to extreme instances of hacking university servers to get access to exams. Now, those are modern examples, but... Cheating, plagiarism, misconduct has been an issue within academia as long as academia has been around. And so what we're trying to do here is evaluate why are students cheating? And what really came about in terms of how cheating came to the fore in the media, um, both here and abroad, um, especially here in Australia, was the 2014 Fairfax investigation into the My Masters scandal, mm, where mm. we had they discovered uh, potentially up to 6,000 students across 16 universities who had purchased assignments um, or assessments or paid somebody to sit online exams through a company that was based in Australia and students paid online electronically to have these assessment tasks done. Yep. Now, that is a form of cheating that we call contract cheating, where you're paying somebody, but that cheating doesn't have to be contract cheating. Contract cheating, we think, is less than 10% of all academic misconduct that happens, that we detect, that gets reported. In the academic context, we, I want to kind of talk through some of these different examples mm. of what constitutes cheating, because sure, writing the answers on your arm when you walk into exam, that's a pretty obvious example, or 
copying someone else's work and putting that into your assignment and submitting it as your own. But what are some of the other examples of student cheating that we've come across your your desk that are perhaps less well known? So I think one of the most important things to consider here is that academic misconduct covers a whole range of different activities and some of those can be unintentional so you don't know how to reference properly you use a resource and you put a quote in but you don't include the right reference what according to whatever referencing um, criteria you use but then it can also extend to things like making up sources so if you're in journalism <laughs> you shouldn't just make up a source uh, well, make, up a quote. make up a quote <laughs> Uh, and I'm sure Jenna Price, if you're listening, Jenna's certainly had some of those within her area of expertise. Mm-hmm. If you're in health and part of what you have to do is see clients, you shouldn't fabricate material in relation to client reports. A lot of students don't realise that images, when you get an image from somewhere, you need to recognise the source for that. And some images attract copyright, so sometimes they can't be used and we need to think about how we use images. But the area that really got me interested in academic integrity was my own, I guess, tale of woe. I'd just come back from maternity leave, so I was rather hormonal, uh, partway through a semester, and I discovered that in an assessment that was built around employability, but we noticed students were saying a phrase that just didn't make sense. Wait, wait, so what was the actual assignment? What did students They had to do? to do a video interview. Okay. So like a job interview. That sounds kind of hard to fake. But you didn't actually, you don't know what questions are going to be asked until the yep. question flashes up on your screen and you're sitting in front of your laptop or your device and then you've got two minutes to think about it and then you've got two minutes to record your answer. Now, what we discovered when we were marking these is that students were saying really unusual phrases that, just didn't make any sense within our context. And in fur- when we were further analysing students, we discovered that students were saying the same things. Um, and then after transcribing all 350 of these by hand, then we found out through text analysis that we had 55 students cheating in groups of five to eight students or four to eight students saying the same thing. And they were clearly wrong. They used past questions to prepare standard answers. But they were all kind of saying the exact... But they were all saying the exact same thing. Or they were saying the same thing, but they'd put their five sentences in a different order. Wow. Um, so, and it, sometimes it was really obvious because I could see students looking to the left of their webcam and then to the right of their webcam and then down rather than looking at their camera. Other times we saw bits of paper, we could hear bits of paper moving in the background Mm -hmm. uh, when the students were supposed to be doing the assessment alone or they just memorised a stock standard component of an answer that didn't actually fit the question. So in that instance, you know, that was my real impetus to find out, number one, what is happening and why were these students doing it? Because having the correct answer in this assessment task was only worth 15% of the answer, of of the score, sorry, for the actual assessment task. So if you had no idea what you were talking about... But but you did it in a really good way. You looked at the camera (laughs) and you were dressed professionally and your background was clean and uncluttered and you were making good eye contact, then you could still get 85%. But these students all fixated on being correct, And when we interviewed students and we asked them 
why they had done it, we got a range of answers. Some students said, oh, I didn't think that cheating applied to speeches. And if a few years ago you watched Melania Trump give that speech in comparison to Michelle Obama. Rock and I were raised with so many of the same values. Like, you work hard for what you want in life, that your word is your bond, that you do what you say you're going to do. My parents impressed on me the values that you work hard for what you want in life, that your word is your bond, and you do what you say and keep your promise. People were saying, well, that's, is that plagiarism? Is that cheating? using someone else's words. Students also said things like, oh, well, in my country, this is acceptable because if I'm talking, then it doesn't matter if we're all saying the same thing. And so I wanted to try and figure out how do we level the playing field? How do we bring everybody up to speed? Because as third-year students, we thought they did know, and it turns out that they didn't. listening to Think Business Futures. To download this show, head to 2ser.com or your favourite podcast app and look for Think Business Futures. On this episode, we're asking, is it cheating? And we're joined here with Amanda White. Can I just open up a little bit further uh, why you think cheating is a problem? So it goes on, we can see it happens in all its various forms. Mm-hmm. But could we just open up a little further why this is a problem? Because one of the things you alluded to earlier was, well, you know, some students might say, well, my circumstance or culture or where I live and family, cheating's no big deal. This is what we do. Mm-hmm. So isn't this just simply a socially constructed artefact? I guess that's a really interesting question and it depends on why integrity is important. So... The idea of why we focus on academic integrity within higher education is because higher education is meant to recognise certain skills and abilities. And so a degree is essentially a ticket for a lot of students to more opportunity. When we think about, like, does this matter? And there's a lot of discussion in the US and in other institutions about, do we call this cheating? Does the language around this matter? And um, Dr. Mike Reddy from the UK and Jesse Stommel, I think it is, from the US, and he's Jessifer on Twitter if you're ever interested in following him on Twitter, talk about how is this the language that we want to use, that we label students cheats, or whether we want to use something else. But when you talk to higher education people, they say, well, academic integrity matters because if we've all studied with integrity, then that puts value on the degree and our institutions. But if you can get through a degree without actually demonstrating that you know what you're supposed to know or you can do those skills, then what's the value in that? So there is a lot of discussion about that value proposition, but in terms of why students cheat? No, hang on. No? (laughs) Sorry, I have to pick you up on that. Okay. So you've now constructed an argument for me that uh, the reason cheating is really important is because the value of de- the degree is not the same. So you've crafted an economic reason for an institution instead of individuals, mm. not, a, for me anyway, a moral reason. So big deal. So what if there's more or less value? I mean, the students pay money to do the degree through you know, HEX or PELS or whatever it's called now, or you know, international students pay fees. They still get their degree, so they get the outcome. If they've cheated to get it, what's the matter with that? 
From the students' perspective, and there's obviously a clear university argument for why we're interested in integrity, but for a student, you think about, well, why are you getting a degree? And it's to provide you with more opportunities, to go out there and get a job that you might not be able to get without the skills and the knowledge. So if you are cheating throughout your university studies or you're passing without having done the work, then when you get out there to that job, and someone asks you to do a bank reconciliation, or they ask you to demonstrate a skill that your university degree says you should have, you're not going to be able to do it. And so you might be able to fake it throughout university, but are you going to be able to fake it forever? If you went to get on a bridge, you think I'm going to walk across a bridge, and the engineer who built that bridge cheated throughout their university course and didn't actually know what they were doing, well, then there's public safety issues. You wouldn't feel as confident. So as a student, I want students to say, well, I'm here at university to learn, to take advantage of these learning opportunities, to gain these professional skills and attributes and knowledge so that I can go out there. So the professions are looking at universities and saying, well, if you've completed a degree, that's a signal that those students have those skills. And we want them to be able to go out there and demonstrate that to employers. So the real nub of professional practice, whether you get the right surgery, bridge, Accountant. tax return, law advice, absolutely depends on integrity of the individual who's got the degree. Absolutely. And the, you'll see that in professional qualifications. That's why a degree usually is the base part for your professional career then you'll join a professional association, you'll have a further level of study to again ensure the quality of the people calling themselves surgeons, dentists, veterinary scientists, bioscientists, whatever it might be. That helps us make sure that the people who are using those skills and services get the quality that they're paying for. So if we go back to some of the uh, scandals that have been kind of widely publicised, so the issue around uh, my master and mm-hmm. other instances of contract cheating, I mean, these have been kind of kind of mainstay throughout the news media of the last five, ten years. Seems that a lot of people are concerned about this. What at a kind of a sector level, what are some of the responses that we're seeing in the university sector more broadly to deal with some of these issues of, say, contract cheating or mm-hmm. student misconduct? And that's a really interesting point because the cheating is students, but it's also parents. So if you've seen the media in the US, a whole lot of parents, very famous people from TV shows, from media, from finance, um, are attracting jail sentences and criminal charges for helping their students cheat to get into university. So this is not just a student problem, it's a much wider problem. Following 10 months of intense investigative efforts, Using a variety of sophisticated techniques, the FBI uncovered what we believe is a rigged system, robbing students all over the country of their right at a fair shot to getting into some of the most elite universities in this country, such as Yale, Stanford, and Georgetown. But I think one of the key things that's happening at the sector level is TEXA, which is the um, regulator for universities, is starting to ask universities at their reaccreditation processes what 
strategies and plans and processes do you have in place to tackle mm-hmm. academic integrity? And what we're seeing more recently is texts are proposing criminal legislation through wow. communications law. So the same law that um, makes downloading illegal movies um, criminal uh, is also sort of they're trying to amend that to make contract cheating illegal. So the offering of a contract cheating service or engaging in contract mm. cheating behaviour over an electronic communications carrier. Wow. And so now, what are some of the proposed uh, penalties for You could someone? go to jail. And this is where it gets really tricky because the law in the way that it's written is really vague. Mm-hmm. It opens a lot of people to the potential for contract cheating because normally we would consider contract cheating to be dollar cash payment. We think about dollar cash payment for an assignment or to sit a test. But the way that the regulation or proposed legislation changes worded is that if there's any sort of personal exchange, so uh, some pro bono, you check mine, I check yours, swap, etc., could land you in jail. Uh, because it says it's over an electronic communication service, then if you're a parent and you proofread your child's university assignment and you make some edits and then you send it back to them, then you've potentially broken the law in that instance Mm. if you've emailed it to them. So you said earlier about different fees in relation to contract cheating. Nick's got a really good story about this in relation to the subject she teaches. Ah, yes. So um, we know that there is contract cheating in in the university environment. I mean, it's here at UTS. You can tell because occasionally people who offer these services leave flyers on campus. Uh, And one day I came across one of these flyers and it's written in another language that I can't decipher. But the bits that I could decipher was they listed out different subjects and next to them they had different dollar amounts. And I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I got a little I got a little chuffed out of the fact that the subject that I teach was easily the most expensive to contract cheat for. So that seems like it's had really good design. I don't know. Are you if making a, it too hard for everybody? I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. Well, we have an assessment structure that requires uh, lots of um, intermittent uh, submissions. So you don't just submit the assignment once. You've got to submit it, you know, in stages. So that's going to require an ongoing relationship with your contract cheating service, um, which is going to be expensive. But there's, there's certainly, I know that one of our colleagues had an instance where one of their students had been paying somebody for the entirety of their degree, sent that person to get their photo taken and for their ID card, sat every single assessment. And it was only at the very end where the student was failing to pay for an outstanding exam sat or some sort of assessment task that the student, act, that contract cheater actually came to the university and dobbed the student in. <gasps> oh, you're kidding. So wow. what we're seeing now is, I hate to say this, an evolution of the contract cheating business model to the point where you buy an assignment from somebody from a contract cheating service and quite often they're not located here in Australia. They might be in another country. But once you've bought that assignment, that's not the end of the process. So at the University of New South Wales, and a big shout-out to Kane Murdoch out there who's doing a lot of work in contract cheating, they found that students are actually being blackmailed. Wow. So you've bought an assignment before and then the contract cheater writes back to you and says, hey, if you don't pay a certain amount per month 
we will go to your university and tell you tell them that you've been cheating. Oh my so goodness. UNSW Extortion. actually has a it's protocol. Wow. They actually have a protocol for students to contact them if they're being blackmailed and they'll have to admit to being having ch- cheated on that particular assessment task, but then the university actually offers to help them deal with the blackmailer. So it's becoming really serious what you might think is a one-off activity mm. Uh, under pressure or whatever it might be can stretch out to be something more complicated wow and that could they could follow you into your career as well say you did enter a legal profession or an accounting profession or a medical profession and years down the track these people could come back and try and extort you Mm -hmm. wow and we don't want to allow students well I guess allow is not the right word, but we want students to understand why integrity is important, why it's important to their professional career, that they learn and study with integrity so that when they go out there into the workplace, they know what they're doing and they don't have to fake it or check Google Mm -hmm, (laughs) or something mm -hmm, else. mm -hmm. But attitudes aren't changed overnight and attitudes aren't changed by us saying do the right thing. And nothing, whether it's a board game, an advertising campaign, an honor code, a video, an online module, nothing on its own will actually be the silver bullet for academic integrity. And the idea for me with the board game, I don't think, I'm not anywhere near confident enough to say that the board game is going to stop students from cheating. But what I want the board game to do is expose students to all the potential scenarios and opportunities where cheating could happen, understand what the consequences could be, know where to get help if they need it. So all of our cards have little help points on there where you get to learn something from the game. But I want them in the face of potential academic misconduct to stop and just pause for a second and say, should I do this? And hopefully that pause is the moment where they might think back to this game and say, oh, actually, there's a lot of risk in doing this. I want to do the right thing. I want to um, study with integrity because I know that this is important to me. That brings us to the close of this episode of Think Business Futures. Think Business Futures is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We'd like to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is made by the UTS Business School with the support of 2SER 107.3. If you'd like to hear more from us, head to the 2SER website, 2SER.com slash thinkbusinessfutures. You can also search for us in your favourite podcast app. Our executive producer is Jason Lequier. Thanks to Amanda White for coming on the show today to explain cheating, its origins, different responses, and to show us this amazing board game. Uh, Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks, Amanda. Thanks for having me. Till next time.